Which Way Spellcast with Sorceress Chisholm. Greetings, friends, near and far. It is I, Sorceress Chisholm, coming at you from Tokyo Land for another episode of the Which Way Spellcast. Welcome, all, if you are a returning listener. Thank you for dropping by yet again, and if this is your first time to tune in to the Spellcast, welcome, and uh, please make yourself comfortable, put your feet up, please pour yourself a drink, and I will regale you with Tales of the Ether on this Libra full moon. It's going to be a really great show tonight, people, so I've got obviously the astro for this full moon and I also have the tarot card for the month and then I'm going to be um, playing for you a fantastic fascinating fabulous interview that I had with one Mr. Phil McQueen philanthropist performer force of nature and photographer and we talked about his new book among other things so that's coming up later in the show so I do hope you stick around for that and I will be playing you one of my songs so first let's get into the astro for this full moon in Libra on April the 6th 2023 Oh, it's a breath of fresh air, people. And it's just as well because Libra is an air sign. It is the sign of the scales. It is ruled by Venus, goddess of beauty. And the Libra energy is one of balance, temperance, harmony, bringing a bit of a tonic to all of this headstrong, fiery Aries juju that we're getting as we are, as the sun is sailing through Aries season. It is the first sign of the zodiac of the year. The astrological year starts with Aries and it is spring up here in the northern hemisphere and autumn down in the south. Hello uh, to my friends listening in the southern hemisphere. I um, have been enjoying all the cherry blossoms popping here in Tokyo. It's just been gorgeous. The weather is starting to really warm up and nature is just, she's coming back. She's back, y'all. So it's really fantastic to be amongst it. And uh, we have the Easter weekend coming up this weekend. As uh, interestingly, Easter is calculated according to a bit of a pagan system. It is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. So there you go. So those pagans among us, you know, a lot of us have Christian upbringings. I have. And, uh, you know, it's um, fascinating really that um, it is really, in my mind, it is the sacrificial god and to ensure a bountiful crop for the year. You know, blood is a very powerful fertilizer. And, uh, I mean, maybe some people might be upset by me saying this, but um, these things do have their patterns, 
And a lot of us know that the Christian um, holidays were built on pagan holidays. So it is a very interesting time of year, a time of renewal, resurrection, rebirth, coming out of the winter and heading into the year. So I'm going to tell you about this Libra full moon. And um, Libra, being the scales, obviously represents things like balance, justice, harmony, polarity, dichotomy, uh, paradox, truth, lies, and relationships, the self and the other. Uh, Aries being a very intrepid sign, it's a very forceful sign, a fire sign. Its motto is I am. It is pure incarnation. Whereas Libra, its polar opposite, um, represents others and its motto is I balance. So Libra, generally a positive vibrational Libra, is someone who really above everything else, above anything else, they value balance. They value things that are fair. Um, a low vibrating Libra is one that is very paranoid, one that is indecisive or insecure. And so right now we're working with this energy of, okay, how is the pendulum swinging right now? There's a lot going on out there in the world. What is true? What is true anyway? What is truth? And I, th I think about this a lot. It's a really good opportunity for us to look at the relationships in our lives, to acknowledge which ones nourish us and which ones are toxic, and to be more understanding and to realize what we need to learn from these relationships, both good and bad, and where it is we need to spend more of our energy and less of our energy. And uh, the older you get, I've noticed, you give less <laughs> um, less concern to many things. You've only got so many hours in the day, as it were. It's also a time of karma, revelations, um, foresight, perhaps prophetic dreaming, it's also about digging deeper for the truth, not taking things at face value too much and believing everything you read, see or hear. Perhaps there's more to the story. Perhaps it's important to get a second opinion about things before you just go, oh, that's the way it is. Hang on, hang on. Just dig a little deeper is the advice Libra is giving us. Also, um, Another thing that I was noticing just as I was writing my notes for this report was, okay, so Aries rules the head, okay? Libra rules the kidneys. And a lot of the time our head, especially me, because I've got Mercury and Moon in Aries, I get way ahead of myself and I get very rea reactionary very quickly. So this Libra energy is saying, hang on, just take a breath, breathe into your kidneys, you know, the great detoxifying kidneys that help remove toxins from our bodies. What are they saying? Maybe just take a beat before you respond to that antagonistic situation or that person who just pushed your buttons. Take a breath and allow for space. 
create space between you and whatever you're encountering rather than just going off and getting upset about something, um, which, you know, things can get hot under the collar. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of people out there who are just screwing things up and it's making it difficult for everybody. But this is about being diplomatic. Libra loves diplomacy and uh, eloquence and being clear about things and thinking before speaking allowing a little bit of a delay before responding. It is really important because Aries time, Aries season can really push one's buttons. It can really test one's reactions, especially if you are seeing family or you are in a situation at work, perhaps that um, things are a little tense. Libra is asking us the question, do we want temperance or temper? And um, looking for what's true for you. I know this gets beaten around a lot. A lot of people talk about, oh, that, that's my truth. That's my truth. And sure, fair enough. There is personal truth, but there's also collective truth. And what is best for the collective as well? Um, we can't all be up our own back ends. You know, we have to exist with others. And how do we go about doing this? in um, a balanced, harmonious way. So this is what Libra is encouraging us to do and to keep breathing and not go to war straight away. I mean, look, we're constantly at war. There is one certainty in life and that is that we're always at war in some way, shape or form. But it is also important to take a step back and try to find diplomacy in and compassion in in situations that you find yourself in. And on that note, that is the astro for this month. Okay, so I have my Toth Crowley deck with me today. I thought, well, I think it's appropriate uncanny deck for uncanny times so last month was the four of cups which was about uh, trying new things getting out there experiencing new uh, adventures meeting new people getting out of your own rut jumping out of your comfort zone I went off to Bali in Indonesia and it was amazing I definitely got out of my rut and uh, had some very interesting and profound experiences on a personal level, on a spiritual level. So, blessed be. So, what is our card for this month? The Libra moon through to Scorpio moon next month. What do we need to know? What is the advice from Spirit of the Tarot? Pulling a card. And the card for today is mm, 
the Four of Wands. Okay. Let me describe the card for you. This is very interesting. So it is like a wheel and the spokes of the wheel are red, red batons. And on one end of the baton is the head of a ram. And on the other head of the baton is a dove. It appears to be a dove. And how very appropriate since we are in Aries, Libra on that axis on this particular occasion. Behind the wheel is the sun. It appears to be the sun. It is on like a very beautiful teal green background. And uh, we can see the sigil for Venus and above the wheel, and we can see the sigil for Aries at the bottom of the wheel. So the four of wands represents Completion. This is this is the word that uh, Crowley has divined for this particular card, and it really looks like yeah, the, the turning of the wheel, the turning of the eon. We have this four of wands, and the energy that I'm getting from this is power, the power to balance, the power to move, and to continue on. A path. It could be a path of study, it could be a path of work, it could be a path of love, and it is being powered by the sun, by our consciousness. And it is a, a really good energy of resolve. So this is saying to us, keep moving, keep rolling. Acknowledge beauty, which is the Venus, and love, and also the power of the emperor, the card in the tarot, which is akin, which is, which is affiliated with the number four, and Aries, and that energy of authority, self-authority, this is key to our evolution, our revolution within our own souls. Blessed be. Okay, my lovely magical friends, I'm very happy to introduce to you my next guest for this episode of the Witch Way Spellcast. Um, please welcome Phil McQueen to the show. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm wound wonderful. I'm wonderful. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but no, I'm great. How are you? I'm great, Phil. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. So Phil McQueen and I, we go way back. Phil and I met here in Tokyo geez, maybe almost 20 years ago, we were working for the same company. We were both uh, children's performers and we both um, were working on the stage play, uh, the Rocky Horror Show. Phil was the starring role of Frankenfurter. I was just a, um, a humble stage assister, assistant, <laughs> but still it was fabulous to be involved with 
um, the magic that is Phil McQueen. He has many feathers to his cap. He is not only a stage actor and a singer and a performer, an MC. He also had um, a very uh, successful run as the drag queen Mitsubishi McQueen, fabulous person that she was. Very intimidating, <laughs> but absolutely amazing. And right now, intimidating dragzilla in a good way. <laughs> I mean, how tall are you? <laughs> I'm six five, but in eight inch heels. Do the math. Well, there you go. <laughs> And so now Phil has returned to his homeland of Australia and is pursuing his passion as a photographer. And so Phil has a new book. Is this your first publication, Phil? This is my first official publication that I've been putting out. I did publish something um, many years ago, but this is one that I'm, it's a passion project and I'm very proud to put 19 years of my life of, in Tokyo into its pages. Wow. So it's called Tokyo Gay Underground and it's a f- it's an album of photos, is that right? So it's a it's a collection of documentary photos I guess from my time working and living and playing in well, what I've coined Tokyo Gay Underground that fairy mystery land of Shinjuku Nichome in Tokyo. Great. And how long did it take you to put all these photos together? Like how many years were you working on this? Um, Let's say it's been a work in progress for 19 years in Japan and then six years here. So 25 years, I guess. But the actual putting together of books started probably, for the book probably started about a year ago or so. Wow, fabulous. How many photos are in the the publication, roughly? The book is 98 or 100 pages. Mm -hmm. uh, And so there's a delicious, delectable... amount of of photos that you know that I was just super privileged to be able to capture and, and um am allowed to print you know I mean it's it was a time in Tokyo where you literally I mean people you know, especially Japanese didn't really believe existed they thought it was a fantasy land made up and also purported on TV so um I'm very proud and thankful uh, to the people that have allowed me to use their images that we, of course, when you're out and about and everyone's drunk, yeah, go use my photo. But, you know, when Mm. it comes down to the crunch, you really need to give them the choice. Of course. And uh, it's right on the money with the Tokyo Gay Pride Parade coming up in April, April 22nd, 23rd. So that's uh, good timing. Hopefully lots of people will be able to get their hands on a copy. Can you tell us, it's hard to describe photos on the audio uh, realm, <laughs> but can you can you describe one of the pictures that really stood out for you, or a particular character that really just um, moved you in some way? I think one of the uh, it was a few years back, and and I think while Tokyo was going for the Olympics and after Sochi Olympics where um, uh, there was a lot of homophobia and a lot of discrimination against uh, the LGBTQIA uh, community that the OIC, the Olympic 
uh, International Olympic IOC, International mm-hmm. Olympic Committee were saying, well, the next city from now on, uh, they all have to have anti-discrimination laws and things mm-hmm. in uh, as part of uh, their politics. Mm-hmm. So Japan was going for the Olympics and uh, they were like, right, well, we have to try and make out as if we can do something. So there was a big push and in Japan and also the world, and there still is. Australia only got it in uh, 2017 with the mm-hmm. yes vote of gay marriage. But um, there was a big... Uh, push for legalizing legalizing gay you know we are all very familiar with uh jinglish or japanese english so it wasn't spot on but there's a, a there's a there's a photograph of a guy wearing a tank top um that says legalize gay and i my interpretation of that was you know give us a chance let us come out of um the closet let, let us come out of these dodgy dingy bars and let's out mm. of everyone's community. So mm-hmm. for me, that's one of the biggest ones. But there are a plethora, mm-hmm. ridiculous, wonderful, gay, fun, entertaining and very poignant photos that are in the in the book. Yeah, fantastic. What was it about Japan, living in Japan for 19 years, that really stayed with you? What, what was it that, what resonated for you the most? Respect. Mm. It comes down to one word, respect. And I have discussions with people. Uh, of course, Japan now has become such a pop- well, was and now is becoming again such a popular tourist destination for Australians and um, there's quite an affinity with it. And what was interesting for me being in Japan was how much respect tourists gave to being in, in Japan. And, you know, they took their shoes off. You know, it was such a it was and being polite and not making trying not to make as much noise as one <laughs> that you do um and just showing real respect and vice versa you know like um I don't think Japan would survive without the respect that they have for each other and mm. I think it's into its culture and even its language so um I think the big one for me is respect um, yeah one of the biggest- I agree very much so yeah. It, it permeates. It definitely permeates. And you can't help but um, appreciate that. And um, you notice it very much when you go to other countries where it isn't as present. And you mm. realize how fortunate um, it is to have that that reference point. Yeah. At Great. the same time, respect is given to, you know, the heteronormative society if you mm. are outside of those bounds then it's a struggle and that's what the LGBTQIA plus plus community mm. go through every day, that's you know, true. and it's a little better but it's still part. I, my book is actually divided into some different sections so that there is a little bit of writing. Don't worry, mm. I'm not going to put you to sleep. <laughs> um, you know, I cover topics like the uh, taboo tattoo or um Remember the no dancing laws that we had for four years. Yeah, I do. all these different things, you know, and that um, people in the queer community really, really have to fight against. You know, the whole society is set up to marry and have children, mm. and they're not. That's right. And those who don't fit in the box—that's that's where you come in. That's where it's delightful to not fit in the box. 
you know, mm. and, and that creates more opportunity for others to express themselves. True, and that was part of what I did, you know, with the Tokyo's Got Talent events and the Wicked Sisters and yeah. uh, doing all those kind of events and trying to open up uh Man just showing, well, it is okay, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but, again, that's coming from a white boy, so I'm not <laughs> <laughs> well, you've always struck me as such a facilitator, Phil. Like your heart, you put your heart into so many things. And um, you were telling me a little bit earlier about your philanthropic work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I think we all contributed a lot uh, during our many years in Japan. Like I think one of the first events I put on was um, – a charity event to raise money for the tsunami victims from Sumatra. And mm-hmm. um, it really brought together, you know, many of our friends and, and, and performers and artists got together and, and to raise money. And then uh, during the triple disaster of the earthquake, tsunami and, and Fukushima. Yeah. And, you know, we all tried our hardest to try and get things done. And, and I remember one of the, the most successful and and appreciated um, uh, donation drive things was for underwear. Like last year in Australia and this year as well, but last year in Australia, uh, Lismore, a place uh, in the Northern Rivers area just below Queensland in New South Wales, suffered greatly. And um, I heard about this and within three days, uh, in Townsville, which is up just near Cairns, um, the community helped me raise 2,000 pairs of underwear and wow. undergarments, to which then I drove down. So that was actually the start of my road trip um, and then went back and then a couple of months later I, I did my whole lap. But, yeah, look, I think... I, I'm not a rich man. I'm not, you know, by any means. And so, but I love to help, you know, and, and even in Japan with some of the events, you know, like people couldn't afford spaces or didn't know how to put on and show off their talents, whatever that may be. And that was the whole point of one of my events, you know. It's to give people a leg up because a lot of people, uh, um, seem to come up against walls and mm. we all come up against walls in our life and hopefully at some point, um, you know, what you've done in the past, it might not be from the people that you were helping, but then the energy comes back to you yeah. and you've just got to be open to accept it, which is very hard for Australians to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm... I, I always look for how to give back or just to help or be a listening ear even, you know. Yeah. Even mm. You've been involved with many projects. That's amazing. Mm. Thank yeah. you. Look for the next project. That yeah. The, you were uh, mentioning the um, HIV Awareness Bobby Goldsmith Foundation? Yes. What does that entail? Is that just raising awareness of HIV? Um I, they're an amazing, so they're the oldest HIV AIDS uh, um, charity slash foundation in Australia. And yeah. Bobby Gold was uh, reported to be the first uh, person in the 80s that uh, was reported to have died of AIDS. Right. And what 
that's where the foundation had started from. People, all his mates were like helping him out financially, all these different ways. So the the foundation was essentially was uh, founded by a group of friends. And as time goes on, next year they're celebrating their 40th anniversary. Um, and it's a, they provide not only essentials if people can't, um make ends meet but they're also providing services and financial services but also um ways of uh to wellness pathways uh upskilling um and also uh social uh support you know the mm. whole uh psycho what's it called psycho social pathways um mm-hmm. Not going on, and unfortunately, people, uh, you know, they think the whole HIV uh, era has finished. When matter of fact, you know, it took two years for COVID numbers to get up to where HIV numbers are worldwide all the time. Wow. You know? So it was very interesting. I had a meeting yesterday, and it was just brainstorming and. Look, just offering my services however I can, whether it be um, brainstorming things or hosting events or being a photographer um, for them to help update social media, et cetera. Um, yeah. Just anything like that. Yeah. Oh, you're an inspiration, Phil. Stop it. <laughs> so you've since returned to Australia. Um, a couple of years you left Japan. It was very sad to see you go, but also it was very exciting to watch you embark on your next adventure. So you've 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 set up back back in the homeland. What have you been doing with yourself since you've been back? <laughs> Wishing I was back in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I look. I think it was time for me. I think I actually overstayed my time in Japan. Um, if you want to discuss that later on, we can. But sure. Um, Coming back home, there were a few things, family things. There were a few things, you know, as you get old. Like when I arrived in Japan, I was 23. And as, you know, 20, well, let's say 20 years ticks by and you start thinking about your future. And there was a lot of um, older friends of mine within the community that were had to retire and they were trying to access their pension funds, which they were uh, paying into the whole time that they were in Japan. And it it just made it uh, quite, I don't know, real to me and mm. will and look after me in my old age. So, mm. yeah, but my father, I lost my mum and my father um, was quite sick, so I felt as if I needed to reconnect with Australia, sure. I guess. What have I been doing since then? Yeah. Um, Working in a photography gallery when I first got here, but ended up going to spend time with my father, you know, see what's happening and seeing if he's okay in his ageing process. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, And then, of course, COVID hit, so Mm. it's turned into three and a half years. Yeah, right. (laughs) Wow. So um, you've been travelling around the country doing some some photography, some, some gorgeous just striking images of of the homeland. Um, can you tell us about your most, I don't know, recent experience, something that was really powerful for you? I think 
Australia is huge. So number one, it's just, I didn't realise when you're actually physically driving. By the way, I'm doing this road trip in a little Mazda 2 2005. Like I'm not. <laughs> I think a lot of people are shocked seeing this big gay man crawling out of <laughs> roller skate of a car and setting up my things. Um, for me, I think one of the biggest ones is it, it, you really get a sense when you're out of the cities, which is usually when someone like myself feels the most vulnerable. Um, there's, there is a, a vibration with earth and there is a vibration with nature and there is a, a huge learning curve with understanding who you are as a person and, and spending time with yourself rather than being in a megalopolis like Tokyo or, or a huge city like Sydney. Mm. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things for me, I think. But uh, the other one, hands down, is just the beauty of this amazing country, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not taking good photos. I'm just capturing actually <laughs> what, what what's here, you know. Sure. Mother Nature, she gets yeah. the credit. Yeah. But you're you're there to capture that and to show us what's there that maybe some of us don't have the opportunity to see with our own eyes. So you're the medium in a way, which is a a powerful thing. Thank you. And it's, I I think also it was, you know, it's such a dichotomy. The big gay drag queen decides Mm to movie Priscilla Queen of the Desert, but it was (laughs) there were three of them ones, only me. So, you know, I think also, I think also it was just to, say to people that follow me and my friends and family that, you know, that being on the treadmill and the, and of life, you know, you can actually break free and you can actually change things up and, and go for things that you want to do. You yeah. know, I became so many fears to do that trip and sure. I think that I can inspire other people to do the same, not necessarily a road trip. Like I've, I think I've done 26. 7,000 kilometres, which is to London, Sydney, London, and then back to Japan I've driven. so In the little Mazda. In the little Mazda. <laughs> Go the mighty Mazda. <laughs> Her name's Eddie. She's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. The Witch Way Spellcast with Sorceress Chisholm. Bill McQueen, you have been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. And don't forget about Tokyo Gay Underground. It's available. Google Tokyo Gay Underground, Phil McQueen. You'll be able to purchase and grab your copy there. Okay, Phil, I have one final question for you, and it is what does magic mean to you? That's a difficult question. You know, how do you define magic? I think magic for everyone is different and um Magic for me is, I think, a movement of energy and a, a creation of, I guess, synchronicity and self-love and being loved back, um, being supported and supporting others um, and being aware, you know, having respect, which we just talked about. and. Hopefully being, well, putting yourself into a realm of being respected as well. I think that's a big 
thing that a lot of people forget. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, magic to me is just the magic of life, you know, and we're, we're given this opportunity, live it to its fullest and don't be scared, overcome fear, um, find who you are, find your magic so that you can pass it on to others. Okay, everybody. Wow. Wasn't that a great chat with Phil? Thank you so much, Phil, for being my guest on the show. And you can go and get a copy of Tokyo Gay Underground. Go and check it out. You can Google it, you can buy it and uh, enjoy the photos. Be immersed in the magical land of Tokyo Gay Underground. It is an amazing place. I've been down the Nichome myself quite a few times and uh, it's always an adventure. So yeah, thanks everybody. Um, Wishing you many blessings for this Libra full moon. I'm going to leave you with a song that I recorded with my band Sorcerer and the Sinners back in 2012. And this is a song called Lover's War. I wrote this song because I was going through pretty toxic relationship breakup at the time it was written, which was like 20 odd years ago. And uh, it just really rattled me that it was just so difficult to try to see eye to eye with someone that you cared about. So it's a reminder that usually when we go to war with others, we are going to war with ourselves. So take stock, notice things, observe things. What is it that you're learning about your life? How have you evolved? How are you on the path? How are you setting yourself up for the next phase of your life? So on that note, dear listeners, I bid you farewell.
I might 